Hey, this is Brent Ingersoll from King's Church. Thanks so much for tuning into our podcast. I pray that this message you're about to hear empowers you, encourages you, challenges you, and equips you to live the life that Jesus has for you. Thanks for tuning in. If you would have asked me maybe six or seven years ago, you know, I would have been in my early 30s, and you said, you know, what? how would you describe life? I probably would have said, you know, it's about finding balance. It's about making sure that you balance being a good husband and a good father and your career and your schedule. And it's just trying to find balance. And that was a decent metaphor for the time. But now I don't really feel like it's finding balance so much as I feel like I'm Indiana Jones in the Raiders of the Lost Ark, navigating through a dark tunnel, trying not to step on booby traps. Anybody? Or maybe like, no, it's like Tom Cruise in Mission Impossible 2. When you're like getting dropped down on that thing, trying not to touch the ground, and you're like putting your hand here and crawling over that. I feel like that was a, another meme happening, this, this move right here. You're trying to crawl over. Don't wear skinny jeans when you're doing those moves, by the way. When you're crawling over those, like, those things that are going to trip the, the alarm off. I, I feel like life is this dance and this tension to manage. And that there aren't always really clear, easy answers for us in our day-to-day lives. And I find this especially as a Christian, that some of the things that seem so cut and dry for some people, for me as a Christian, it's actually pretty complicated. And I find that I don't necessarily fit into this camp or that camp, and I find that I'm often torn between the two. Like, I, I just, I'm going to make you people who did not get vaccinated really mad. You know, I got vaccinated but I'm also going to make some of you real ardent vax people really mad and say, I actually understand why some of you didn't. And like some of you liberals, you know what? I, I, I lean conservative in a lot of ways, but some of you conservatives, you know, I find I'm pretty left on some things too, and I just don't fit, and I'm often torn between the two. Has anybody felt that? Have you felt that in your own family? You've got two family members like going like this, and you're like, I understand you. I really do, and I understand you. Can we all not just get along, Right? And you're just sort of stuck in this middle ground being torn apart. And it's like this tension to manage. And that's where, how I find my life. I find it leading you people too. I've had people message me saying, Pastor Brent, you need to leverage your influence and get out there and speak, to the, speak on our behalf and tell the government that they suck and all that stuff. And, and then I've had some of you messaging me saying, how dare you? Who do you think you are? Shut up and preach, you know, like that kind of stuff. Yeah, you guys don't all agree. Just so you know, you don't. You should read my emails. They, you are not in agreement on everything. And I, I've had like, I can't believe that King's Church has a vax-only service. And then I have a, I can't believe that King's Church would have non-vaccinated people come to church. You know, and it's just like, it's this, it's this dance. It's this, this tension that we live in. Have you found that? It's not just with coronavirus. It's like with culture and uh, in the world and ideologies. It's like I don't fit and I find I'm kind of at war between all these different directions. I don't know whether to go left or go, ro- go right, go up or go down. Kind of caught in this sort of narrow wedge. And I've been having a lot of dialogue with God as of late. There's been multiple times I've been crying out to him, just feeling very constrained and feeling like I don't know whether to go this way or that way. They both look like landmines on both sides. And I felt like God has multiple times reminded me of this verse. When Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, he said, enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. 
But the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. And I've been reminded of this many times on many days and many long walks with my dog crying out to God for solutions on issues that don't really have good solutions. And I've felt the Spirit of God just saying, if it feels like you're on a narrow path, you're probably in the right place. And if it feels like you're kind of squeezed between multiple realities and multiple ideologies and multiple options, you're probably following Jesus. To be a Christian, to follow Jesus, is to follow him down the narrow path. It's actually signing up to live in the gap or the space between heaven and earth, truth and lies. It's living in the space between grace and justice and sacrifice and human selfishness. It's living in the, in the space and the gap that connects heaven to earth and it bridges now and forever. It's in the gap that bridges between sinners and a savior. To follow Jesus is to live squarely in the tension and the narrow gap between this world and the world to come. And this is squarely where we find ourselves right now and this is where the book of Revelation ends off. For those of you who are just joining us today, for the first time maybe, you are joining us at the end of a two-year journey, so you're going to get the Coles notes on, on the book of Revelation. But what we have learned in effect is this. Revelation is true to its name. It's, it's for the purpose of us being able to see things we could not see without it. The title is The Apocalypse of Jesus Christ, and the word apocalypse is where we get the word revelation. It's about an unveiling. When you read the book of Revelation, it is given to us to be a lens so that we can see things, that we can actually see things that are hidden to us, both present and future. And so God gave us this book for not just 2,000 years ago or not just someday to come, but for us, the people of God right now, to have perspective and to have grace and peace in the times that God has planted us in. And so we've learned over the past two years, as we've journeyed through this mysterious and yet powerful book, we've seen a few things that we can't unsee, hopefully. We've seen that Jesus is the Lord of his church, and he's aware and involved. The first couple chapters showed us that. The first three chapters, we found Jesus giving specific directives and messages to the people of God that we, we unpacked all of them. We've learned that Jesus is the Lord of the universe. Can I get an amen? The lamb is on the throne. Cancer and Putin and coronavirus and economies, and those aren't, they aren't on the throne. We actually saw through the revelation that Jesus is on the throne. Right now, not just someday, like he's on the throne of the universe. And we've learned that Jesus is unfolding the scroll, God's redemptive plan and purpose on the earth. Remember the scroll? Way back two years ago, this is God's sovereign plan and only Jesus has the power and the authority to open it and unfold God's will on the earth. And he's bringing it through the church, bringing mercy and justice. And then finally, we have seen that tribulation and trials and wrath and judgment is necessary and temporary. And it will end in a perfect new heaven and new earth when the king comes again and he will come again and he will rule and reign forever and ever and ever. And there will be no more mourning, no more sorrow, no more crying, no more pain for the old order of things has passed away. Amen. 
And so we, we've seen kind of a new framework for where we are in the story. I got some clip art this week to speed things up. <laughs> Three cheers for clip art. We have found out that, that the book of Revelation is a gospel. It's a, it's a good news story, and it tells us where we fit in all of it, but it, it points to the reconciliation of heaven and earth through who? You're in church. You know the answer. It's Jesus. That Jesus has reconciled all things to himself, and he's brought heaven and earth back, which was disconnected through sin, Satan, and human, human selfishness. And now Jesus has begun the restoration of all things already in himself, calling people to himself, already beginning the reconciliation process of heaven and earth. And that is unfolding right now. Every person that comes to Jesus is coming and being reconciled to God. That's, that's an incredible thought. And new creation is beginning in our spirits as we come to Jesus. And now we're told, and Revelation tells us, that history is going to unfold, and there's going to be trials and tribulation and judgment, and there's going to be all kinds of gnarly things happening. And yet it's going to culminate when Jesus comes again in the second coming. Right? We read it, we read it in uh, Revelation 19. Jesus comes again. He does away with sin and Satan and hell, to which we say, good riddance, that says sin and Satan. <laughs> and then he establishes, and we read this the last couple of weeks, he establishes a new heaven and a new earth. And we will live forever and ever and ever. The people of God and the people who, who hear the invitation of the Lamb to come to him and live will live forever and ever and ever. Now here's the deal though. You and I right now are somewhere like you are here. We don't really know how much time between this moment, and we know that there's been 2,000 years since this moment and history has been unfolding, but you and I live somewhere between the new heaven and the new earth and the old order. Feels like tension. Feels like being caught between two realities. It looks a lot like this. It looks like the people of God are called to stand right in that place of pulling heaven to earth. And so today, as we finish the book of Revelation, it's speaking to people who live right here in the tension between what is to come and what currently is. What is now and what is not yet. And so let's read it with that in mind, now that you have the whole story and you know where you are in it. These are the last words in the Bible says, and behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the word of the prophecy of this book. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed them to me. But he said to me, you must not do that. I'm a fellow servant with you and your brothers and the prophets and with those who keep the words of this book. Worship God. And he said to me, do not seal up the words of this prophecy. That's an important one. If you're taking notes, just keep it open in front of you. Do not seal these words up. For the time is, can you say it with me? It's near. 
Let the evildoers still do evil. Let the filthy be filthy and the righteous still do right. And the holy still be holy. Behold, I'm coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay each one for what he's done. I am the alpha and the omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life and that they may enter the city by the gates. Outside are the dogs and sorcerers and the sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. They'll be kept out of the new creation. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come, and let the one who hears say, come, and let the one who is thirsty come, and let the one who desires take the water of life without price. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of this book and of this prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in this book. He who testifies to these things, surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with all. Amen. And all God's people said. And so God's message of the book of Revelation ends as a bit of a cliffhanger. It's sort of unresolved. We know how it's going to end, but there's going to have to be things play out between now and then. And we sort of are left in this space where Jesus unequivocally says, I am coming soon. And so we're left here like, yeah, when? Okay, how? Where? And he doesn't provide any of those details. He just says, I'm coming, be ready. Just like he did in Matthew 24 when the disciples asked him, he said, hey, when are you coming back? And he said, look, the Son of Man does not know the hour or the day. No one will. Only the Father knows. Stay ready. And that's the space you and I are still in. We're in this space living in the tension between the now and the not yet. And yet, did you catch the direction? Jesus said, do not seal up the words of this book. Stay ready. Keep it open in front of you. Live engaged in this big picture of the coming day. Like you and I are supposed to finish reading the book of Revelation and instead of closing it up, saying, huh, good book, you leave it open because we are now living unto a new day engaged in a reality that we cannot unsee or forget. It's like when, how many of you remember, like those of you who are married, you remember when you were engaged to be married? I remember asking my wife to marry me. It was July of 2005. And I remember she knew it was coming. We already set a date before I even popped the question. How does that happen? But we knew, like we knew. It's just when you know, you know. And so I had no element of surprise. So I tried to figure out a way to like at least bring some spice to it. So I took her away out to this incredible place. We had this picnic and she's like, oh, he's going to do it. He's going to ask me. And I didn't. I did it on a different time just, just, to keep her, <laughs> just to keep her on her toes. But I did indeed ask her and she said yes. And I'm still excited about that. And I still don't know how. I seriously don't know how I got her, but God's grace is sufficient for me. But I remember, though, like after that moment, something shifted. I was now not yet married, but pretty much. But not yet, but gonna be. 
Anybody engaged right now? I see some people that are engaged. Yeah, you're, you're in this zone where you're like, you're, you're embracing the reality of your wedding and yet you're living in the tension of not yet being married. So there are some things, like you're, there's decisions you make as a married person, but there's realities you have to embrace and deal with and endure as a single person. You're kind of in this now and not yet. And I couldn't wait for certain tensions to be relieved when I got married. Don't be nasty. <laughs> but you had to endure that, right? And this is kind of a, this is a crass, but it's an, it's a, it's an apt illustration of where the, the word leaves us in the book of Revelation, that you're living between this reality that I'm engaged and looking forward to that day, and I'm living as though, like, my decisions are funneled through that. Like, I remember I went back to my last year preparing to be a, a pastor, doing school and all that. Like, I had no social life. I didn't need one. I had a girl. I was going to get married. I literally did my work and played video games. I was a complete recluse. Like, I'm not even going to see you people. I'm moving. I'm getting married. See ya, right? Like, it affects, it affects your life. And that's the space that Jesus leaves us in, in the moment that we're in. That's the invitation of Revelation, is to live with this open before us in the now, but not yet reality of the kingdom of God. And so the question is, it's like where he said, I'm the morning star. I'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute. But he's like, if, if there's a new day coming, even though it's dark, we are called to live in light of the new day. I know it's still dark out, but, but based on what he has told me, there's, there's a new morning, and there's a new day coming. So I'm not going to live according to the darkness, but I'm living in expectation and anticipation of the reality that there is a new day coming. It's only a matter of time. So I don't live according to the old order of things. I live embracing the new heaven and the new earth reality. And so the question becomes this, and this is really where I want to leave us. We get a few clues. How do we live our lives right now? How do we live in this dark world in the light of the morning? How do we live in light of the morning while we're still squarely in the dark? How many of you would look around this world and say, it's dark out there? It is just dark out there. There might be some darkness in and around your life right now. You might be going through some very difficult, dark days. And the question is, how does the king expect us to live our lives right now in light of the morning while it's still pitch black, the dark of the night? Revelation gives us three hints. I want to look at them and I want us to keep these things in mind as we proceed beyond this book into new days in the coming weeks. But three things, three ideas, you should mark these down because this is like, this is like the, the hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy. This is, this is like the way that you and I need to embrace the lifestyle of following Jesus. How do we live in light of the morning while we're in the dark of night? Here's the first thing. We do it, it starts right here, we do it through heavenly thinking. It's all about our vision and our perception. That to live in the now, not yet, it starts with thinking from the vantage point and the truth and the reality of heaven. This is where we begin to live out this life in tension, is we see the earth and we see this world in light of the reality of heaven. We don't close the book. We don't put it away and say, hopefully that'll come back and be worth it someday. We actually see through the dark in light of the reality of heaven. Jesus once said, I am the light of the world. Follow me and you will never walk in, you'll never walk in darkness. It said in Isaiah, 
prophesying the Messiah, Isaiah said, though they walk in darkness, they have seen a great, a great light. You and I are invited, even though the world is dark, we are invited to live right here, right now, with the ability to see through the dark. We have night vision, y'all. We can actually see through the dark. Now, how, some of you are saying, is it, is it by like really developing our senses and, you know, learning how to find our way through this life? Is it like, you know, we've seen, you know, some people who have, maybe blind people, for instance, have an incredible ability of honing in their other senses. I, I grew up by a guy uh, on my street. He was blind, completely blind. He was amazing. He would walk to the bus stop every day, hop on the bus, go across the city, do his job, and come back every day. No problem. My, my friend and I even saw him one day adjusting his, uh, what are those things you have on the roof, the, the old school, the satellite dish. A blind guy, y'all, on a roof, fixing the satellite dish while his teenage son's like, a little to the left, dad. Like, it's amazing what, how good you can. You can get pretty adept at navigating in the dark. Some of you in your house, you're like a ninja. You don't have to turn the light on. You can just like walk around until you have kids and Lego becomes a problem. <laughs> but it's not actually like Jesus isn't inviting us to become superhuman. He's actually inviting us to apply the light of his word. That the word of God actually gives us insight and perception into the darkness. That you are equipped through what he has said and is saying to be able to see through the gray mist and the dark nights of our days. This is what he's getting at. Did you catch it? Look in Revelation 22. He said, do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book for the time is near. So keep my word open in front of you. Apply it. Like see through it. It's night vision. And it enables you to start to see through things that otherwise you can't see through because you're in the dark. It truly is. Like the Bible tells us, it actually is referring to itself. Thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And so we, the people of God, are invited to actually keep God's word front and center on our mind, in our mouths, in our gut, walking it out day by day. That's the invitation here, is to actually live our lives in light of the word of God. Paul said it like this in Romans 12. He said, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, by the mercy of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual act of worship. Do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed, say it with me, by the renewal of your mind. Uh, NLT says, be transformed by changing the way you think. So no longer are our thinking patterns according to what the world tells us. It's according to what the word tells us. That we literally apply, if Jesus said it, and say, okay, that's my truth now. I'm living according to it. And then it tells us what happens when you start to think differently according to the word of God. Then it tells you, you will discern what the will of God is. What's discernment? Discernment seeing into things. It's night vision. It's like, the word of God will enable you to see through things that you couldn't see through otherwise. Like it'll allow you to see deeper. Like in what ways? Well, there's three ways I was thinking about it. You get hindsight. The word of God helps me see the past totally different. Helps me see myself different. 
It helps me see through the light of his truth that there, are, there were things in my past that were dysfunctional and destructive that God needed to deal with. It tells the truth about us. It also sees in my past that it's covered by the blood of the lamb and I am a new creation. When I look back, I see what Christ has done for me, not what I failed to do. Amen. Someone needed to hear that today. When we look back in hindsight over our life, if you belong to the lamb, you see his blood over you. You see that you're a new creation. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's incredible. And we don't just have hindsight for ourselves. We have hindsight for the world. We have hindsight in our relationships. We also have insight. The word shows us what's really going on. Like when you and I, when we see this conflict in Ukraine unfolding, you and I have insight because we've, we've kept this book open and we learn that it's not just countries and bad guys and bullets and bombs, but there are powers and principalities, beasts and dragons preying upon human brokenness, causing broken people to break people. We see. We see through it. We refuse to just say Russians are bad and Ukrainians are good. We see deeper. We see the God image in people. We see possibility. We see God's, God's like destiny over people. What do you see when you see people? You know, if the church of God doesn't see people's potential, what hope is there for anyone? Like if we don't see God's desire for people, if we don't see second chances, like we need to be the people that can see through people's mistakes. Amen? That's why, like CR, we have CR every week and we have people that came in with a label addict, but we got a whole fleet of people that say, I don't see an addict, I see a son of God. You know, we have, we have people come in that have like extreme baggage from trauma saying I'm broken, and we come in and say, I don't see a broken person. I see a person that God is going to renew and restore and make brand new. We are people who see through darkness. How do you see people? How do you see yourself? Are you believing lies and labels that, God puts, that the devil puts on you when God sees, no, son, daughter, redeemed, restored, ransomed, delivered, set free, stood up and put on their feet for a purpose right now? Like, what do you see? We are people who see through the dark. Say, I see through it. All right, all right, not bad, not bad. Got night vision. Night vision. We have foresight as well. You know what? I don't know what's going to happen in the next few days even, let alone the next few weeks or few months. But I do know the end of the story. I know there's coming a moment where the clouds will part and the trumpet will sound and Christ will descend and we will, we will be caught with him and he will fully establish his kingdom and fully eradicate all that degrades and destroys in his creation. And I know the end of the story. Keep this book open before you. In, in other words, like I know you people who watch movies, you don't want to get the end because we call it a spoiler. You are supposed to live your life in spoiler mode all the time. Read the end of the book over and over and over again. Like, how does this end again? How does this end again? It doesn't look good, right? over and over again. I know how this story ends. Look, if you belong to Jesus, I don't care what you're going through, I know how your story ends. Isn't that an awesome thought? Because some of you are right now are overwhelmed by the things that are happening in your life. I, and, and, and legitimately, it's brutal. Life is very hard. I see people right now in this room alone. There's people online that have gone through horrible trauma, but I know how your story ends. 
And I can see through it. And I know based on the word of God that you will not be crying and there won't be grief or mourning or sorrow, but there will be fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore. That's the end of your story. So we see through it. Now here's the deal. We don't just see through the dark. We shine in the dark. This is the other, this is the other thing I think Revelation tells us about living in the now, not yet. How do we live in light of the morning while we're still in the dark? We do it through heavenly doing, through actions. It's about not just what we believe, but the way we live. We bring heaven to earth in and through us. We actually shine in the dark that you and I, because we have renewed minds, because we are those who are living with light inside of the dark, we are people who are shining and walking in this world very differently and peculiarly to to the world around us. Like your life shines in the darkness. Let me say it like this and just prophesy it over you so you hear it. You are a living lamp in dark times. Hear that. Maybe God wants you to go, like maybe, I don't want to say God wants you to have cancer. So don't hear me that. There's a reason you're on the oncology ward and it's not just to endure your treatments. It's to shine the light of a hope that is greater than cancer. You are a living light in the moment that you are in. Like God actually trusts you to shine your light. If you find yourself in deep darkness, realize God is trusting you and desiring to shine incredible light through that darkness. That's an incredible thought. And and he speaks to it. He speaks to like, In Revelation 22, did you catch it? There's a bunch of things kind of referring to the way we live in this world. He he said, you know, don't seal this up. Keep it in front of you. And then as you apply this to your life, you know, saying let the evildoer still do evil and the filthy still be filthy. He's not saying like, he's not encouraging us to be bad. It's It's in contrast to live your life right. It matters. Do what's right. Be holy until the end. Live different. It goes on and it says like, I love this. Blessed are those who wash. They wash their robes. They wash their lives. In what? The blood and in the, in the water of the word? You apply the truth of the word to your life and you begin to live it out. That's what this is getting at. I love this too. Hear the invitation, how this ends. He says, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to this. And he, and he goes, he says, I'm the root and the descendant. And then he, he says, that's the spirit and the bride. Who's the bride? It's us. We're engaged. The spirit and the bride say, come to who? To Jesus. So your life is a living invitation to Jesus and heaven to invade the earth. Stay with me. And then it says, let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who's thirsty say, let the one who's thirsty come. So in other words, our lives invite heaven to earth and our lives invite those on earth to come to heaven. You're an intersection of heaven and earth. There's a reason there's tension. It's because God wants you to bridge the gap between heaven and earth by faith that you are a living invitation for heaven to invade earth and for the earth to come and be reconciled to heaven. Come, Jesus, and come to Jesus. That's your life. How incredible is that thought? 
Some of you don't feel like that's me. It is you. If you belong to Jesus, he has established you on this earth in this day at this time. He could have chose you to be born at any time in any place. He chose you right here. Why? To be a living invitation that you would invite heaven to earth and those on the earth to heaven. It's pretty good, Pastor Brent. I liked it. You know, some people think, you know, these, you've, heard the, you've heard the old analogy, you know, they're so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good. Nothing's further from the truth. To be heavenly minded is to be earthly good. I love how one of my favorite authors, I quote him a lot, C.S. Lewis said it like this. If you read history, you'll find that the Christians who did the most for this present world were just those who thought most about the next. They actually lived with that reality open. The apostles themselves who set, foot on, who set on foot the conversion of the Roman Empire, the great men who built up the Middle Ages, the English evangelicals who abolished the slave trade, all left their mark on earth precisely because their minds were occupied with heaven, living out at the intersection of heaven and earth. It is since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world that they have become so ineffective in this one. Aim at heaven and you will get earth thrown in, but aim at earth and you will get neither. So we live with this heavenly perspective in light of his word and it fleshes itself out. You and I are living invitations. So what's it look like? We invite heaven here. You and I are called to be heaven's conduits. Conduit. Uh, <laughs> that was my typo. My mom, even, my mom even proofread this. My mom proofreads my homework still. She even proofread this and she said, I don't know what a coin to it is, but that's not a word and I forgot to change it. <laughs> How do you fail a test when your mom did it for you? Like, I like it. it's amazing. But we are called to be heaven's conduit in the already not yet reality that we are living in. We are channels. You know what a conduit is? It's a channel. It's a channel that provides access for something to pass through it. So we provide access for heaven to come here. How do we do that? How do you and I release heaven in our life today? Again, heaven is not just a someday reality, correct? It is a present reality that God already wants to access the world through us. So we do it in a variety of ways. First way, the most primary way is through our relationship with Jesus. Jesus said, abide in me and you will bear much yeah, what kind of fruit? Fruit of the, yeah, fruit of the Spirit. You know what the fruit of the Spirit is? It's evidence of heaven. It's stuff that money can't buy. It's love, joy, kindness, gentleness, peace, peace, patience, self, uh, gentleness, not selfishness. That's, in the, that's not there. Self-control. So we bring heaven to earth through our relationship with Jesus. We become a channel. And then it fleshes itself out in our values in how we do life. Did you know if you're a Christian, you're supposed to be a little bit weird? You have permission to be strange. How good is that? Like we're supposed to be a peculiar people. Jesus said, you're the light of the world. You're the salt of the earth. And if salt loses its saltiness, it's useless. In other words, you need that punch. You need to pop. Your life needs to be different. And so we have different lives. We have different rhythms. We, Sunday is the Lord's day. Can I just say that? It sounds old school. It is. Really old school. Sunday is the Lord's day. We have different lifestyles. We have different treasures, different cares. And then, of course, our deeds. How we live our lives and what we do with them 
Like how we deal with sacrifice. We are people who give just as God has given to us. How we deal with suffering. You know, one of the greatest testimonies to the reality of God's coming kingdom is people who are willing to die in faith. Can I just say that? Like I think the greatest testimony is, you know what, I prayed for healing. I didn't get it, but I know there's a new day coming and I trust my God. That's a great testimony. And then, of course, we do believe in signs and wonders. How many, is, how many know God, God still does miracles? He really does. He can still heal bodies. He can still break chains. He can still cast out demons. It's still happening. And it's happening as a sign to a coming kingdom. A miracle is not an end to itself, y'all. Nobody's driving to St. John looking for the sign for the Rossay Avenue exit and then gets out at the sign and just stares at it like, we've arrived. But we do that with miracles. We obsess about the sign and we forget what it's pointing to. But we very much are people who believe in signs and wonders. Jesus said these things will follow you. We believe in mercy and justice. We live it out. We speak the truth in love and we give second and third and fourth and fifth and infinite chances. That's who we are. But we also invite the earth to heaven. We live the life of reconciliation through all of these actions as we shine a light, but also through the proclamation of the good news. We say, let the one who is thirsty come. Your life should be an invitation to thirsty souls. Amen? Your life should say, hey, I know where you can get water. I know where you can get satisfaction. I know where you can get a fresh start. I know where you can find the truth. And then ultimately... We invite heaven to earth through the laying down of our lives, just like the lamb we follow. Final thought, I'm going to wrap up. So we are people who walk in the light. We are people who shine the light. And now here's the, here's the third and final thought. And this really spoke to me this week, and I think it's going to encourage somebody. How do we live in light of the morning while we're in the dark of the night? It's through heavenly longing. It's all about our hope and expectation. We look to the morning star and we always see beyond and above the dark. We hold the hope of the coming kingdom above everything that happens in this life. We never let go of it. Did you catch the last words of Jesus? These are the last words in all of the scripture that Jesus says. That we like, they're in red. They're, they're quoted in red. These are the last things. It's not, you know, if you would have asked me three weeks ago, I, I would have said, you know, what's the last thing Jesus said? It was probably what he said to Paul on the road to Damascus. Or maybe it was the Great Commission or, or Acts 1.8. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you'll be my witnesses going to I would have said that. But actually, the last thing that Jesus said was right here. And the last thing that he calls himself, and I think this is so crucial, like it leaves a picture for us, those of us who are living in the dark nights. He said, I, Jesus, have, I, Jesus, so now it's Jesus talking, it's not his angel and it's not John. He said, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David. So he's speaking about his messianic call. I am the Christ. If you ever thought Jesus was like just a good teacher who didn't think, have a messianic, messianic complex, read the Bible. It's like, I am the Christ. I am the Savior. And then he said this word, and this is what just struck me. I am the bright morning star. Now, I've heard that. I grew up in church, and I, I've heard lots of names for Jesus. 
and I've heard him called the morning star, but I've never actually sat down and thought about what does it mean that Jesus is the bright morning star and why would the last thing that he calls himself to his people until we see him again, why would he say, I am the morning star? What's the morning star? Well, some of you, if you were up early this morning, you saw it. It was a beautiful thing to be driving here early this morning and to see the morning star knowing that I was going to talk about it. It was just like a sweet little touch from God saying, I want to encourage you with this. The morning star is actually Venus. And it's Venus, it, gets, it becomes very bright over the eastern horizon. So sun rises in the east, correct? And what happens though, somewhere between 2 and 3 a.m., if there are no clouds, what happens is as the earth is turning and coming into the sun, the, 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 the sun actually catches and illuminates Venus before the, the rays of the sun of the new day hit the earth. So what that told people, especially before you had Apple watches and you could see it's 444. What that told people in the darkness of the night on nights that felt like they were never ending was the moment that that star appeared, I knew with certainty that tomorrow morning is just around the corner. That that star tells me the moment I see that star, that star brings with it tomorrow. That if the star is in the sky and I see it, it tells me no matter what happens or is happening, no matter how dark the night is, morning is coming. Oh man. It tells us the moment that you see the bright morning star, it tells us, one one commentator said, it tells us that night has been defeated and the morning sun is is rising. So when you see the morning star, when Jesus says, I am the morning star, what's he saying? He's saying, there is a proof that is already shining that morning is coming. I know it's dark. I know you're in the darkness in the middle of the night, but there is already a star that is shining that is proof that there is a new day about to dawn. And it's only a matter of time until that sun breaks the horizon and a whole new world opens up. Man, I don't know about you, but I needed to hear that this week. I needed to be reminded that I don't just serve a Savior who died for me. I serve a risen Savior. Do you remember how we started? Those of you who were here two years ago and we started this book of Revelation, you remember how Jesus started describing himself? He said, behold. He said, do not be afraid I am the risen one, the one who died, but behold, is now alive forevermore. I hold the keys to death and hell. I am the light that took on the darkness and came out triumphant, and the darkness could not and will not ever overcome me, and I am shining now, and I am the promise that tomorrow is coming. I love it. Be reminded right now, like I don't know what you're going through, but there is a new day that's coming. How do I know? The morning star is shining and his name is Jesus. There is still an empty tomb in Jerusalem that tells me the morning star is is shining, which tells me tomorrow is coming. It's only a matter of time. And so what we are invited to and what Jesus is inviting us to do is live our lives no matter how dark it gets and no matter what's raging in front of us, whenever we look up and we remind ourselves, ah, yeah, but 
this is temporary. There is a new day coming and that day is a glorious day. And so we keep our eyes above the horizon. This is a call to to lift up your hope beyond the dark. Like, what does it look like? What does it look like to live in full view of the morning star? Well, it's like no matter what's happening, I never lose sight of the fact that morning is coming. No matter what. Like, I I see Brad here. Like, what does it look like? It looks like when you lose a child, the darkest of darkness, the darkest of darkness, and yet there is a morning star that is shining that no matter what happens in this life, I know tomorrow is coming and there's nothing that can stop it. It's, it's Pete Stubbs leaving the RCMP to go launch St. Stephen campus saying, you know what? It's dark, but I see the morning star is risen and I'm going to step out of my safety and out of my comfort, and I'm going to give these hours and these days that I have to get as many people to see the light of that star and come to him as possible. It's, it's my friend Bogdan from Ukraine. I texted him Wednesday morning after seeing the news. I was like, hey, buddy. Like, his family's all there. He said, hey, praying, we're praying, we're praying. And he just texts text back. I mean, Ukrainians are awesome people, by the way. He just texts back, just boss move, just goes, Jesus is king and he's coming again. That's, uh, yeah, this is really dark, but I see the morning star. Tomorrow's coming. The morning's coming. And I never lose sight of it. It's, it's like when my family lost uh, my grandfather when he died. I mean, he was like the patriarch of our family. And I'll never forget when we found he left us a note on his Bible, knowing, I think he knew, I mean, we know he knew, he was very, very sick, had cancer. And he left us this little note on his Bible, said, I'll meet you in the morning. It's, this is dark. He was young. We needed him. We thought, but the morning star tells me that the morning is coming. These sorrows may last the night, but joy comes in the morning. Joy comes in the morning. And so we live our lives squarely in the now, not yet. I want to say to somebody who's been struggling, maybe like, God, what's happening? Why am I feeling torn apart? You're actually following the one who gave himself and was torn apart and broken for the blessing and the reconciliation of all things. Like, why am I being exhausted and poured out? Because you're following the one who poured his blood out for the restoration of all things. But I want you to grab today the hope that we have in Jesus. Like that star is shining right now. And I thought the best way to end our journey through the book of Revelation is by taking communion. This is a sign of the morning star. Don't you grab your... Let's look... We're, we're people who see through things, right? So let's look past the plastic and the disgustingly tasting wafer. And let's grab it and see through. Just wait, wait with me for a minute. But Jesus gave us this 
It's a symbol. It's the morning. It's the symbol. It's the sign of the truth that is, gra- is the, uh, greater than what we're going through. It's a pattern. It speaks, it invites us to live like him, to be broken and poured out for the world around us. It is power. As we receive this by faith, it actually dwells in us and bears fruit. And here's the crazy thing, and I think people needed to hear this today. It's a promise. This meal, Jesus, it tells us on the night he was betrayed, he gathered his friends, and this is for us too. And he said, he took, he, took, he took the bread and he passed it around and he broke it. He said, this is my body broken for you. And then just, just hang on and I'll let you take it in just a second. But, and then he took the cup and he said, this is my cup, this is my blood. It's the cup of the new covenant. My blood poured out for you. I'm establishing a whole new covenant. And then, it's, then he said this, and it's recorded, I think in Matthew, he says, I will not drink from the fruit of the vine until I come again. So when we drink this, we are reminded that he, the same way we are longing for him, he longs for us. That's a crazy thought. This is a pattern, a power, and a promise. And so we're told on the night he was betrayed, he took it. He said, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. You may take the bread in faith. Receive. And then he said, this is the cup. This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this. And as often as you drink it in remembrance of me, and then look what Paul adds, for as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. You are in the tension, but the morning star has risen and we do not lose sight. Take it and be thankful. Oh, Jesus, we love you. And Father, right now, just over my brothers and sisters, even those watching online, I just pray blessed assurance to rest in hearts right now. Lord, even in weary hearts, God, as this night has been long for many. Lord, I pray right now that the peace that passes understanding, even as they've ingested these elements in faith, would begin to dwell in them richly. Lord, I pray right now, God, that you would give us a confidence that cannot be shaken, a hope that cannot be moved, that we would embrace our place in your story somewhere pulled between now and not yet, heaven and earth. And God, we just say thank you for the promise of heaven. But God, help us be conduits to bring it to the earth. Lord, we thank you for our lives and we pray right now over every person with the sound of my voice, I pray for your grace to come to them and flow through them. Lord, I pray that the light of your truth would renew their minds and would shine through their lives and that they would be living lamps and invitations for people to come to know your truth and to get caught up in the promise that there is a new day that's about to dawn. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your truth. We thank you for this book of Revelation and we pray, God, that you would help us keep it open in front of us. We pray it in Jesus' mighty name and all God's people said, amen.